the Diary of Doom. I'm Dylan, and join me as we look back on the rich history of doom metal and its sister sounds based on the recounted tales of its followers. Every week, we'll have a different guest to spin their yarn. You can visit the website at diaryofdoom.com, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, follow the podcast on diaryofdoom.podbean.com, and subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or whatever shady podcast streaming app you want to use. And if you have a question or want to pitch something or just feel like giving me some shit, you can fire off an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. At the risk of getting scatological, I've always had a very close relationship with the toilet. When I was a kid, the toilet was funny because you pooped in it. I probably logged hours of Game Boy playing sitting on the shitter as an adolescent. And now with the onset of IBS in my life, because also in my youth, I put copious amounts of deep fried fast food down my gullet and then drinking happened a few years later, I have a very stable relationship with the toilet. It's always there for me. So it didn't really surprise me when a website named The Toilet of Hell would become my new uh, well, for lack of a better word, for new and exciting metal bands. And also, like a proper toilet, was funny as hell. And today I'm very honored to welcome Jordan from Toilet of Hell, or as you may know him as, 365 Days of Horror. See, I still threw the the, the in there. It's kind of like how you have to say like the Foo Fighters, even though they're just Foo Fighters, you just can't help it because it sounds awkward without it. It's a thing I've noticed a lot of older people do. They just put the title or the article in front of it where people will be like oh yeah you know like the band thrones and it's like yeah yeah, yeah the thrones it's like no 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 it's just it's just thrones it's just one person in that band you can't help it it's like i just read an article the other day about uh how there's something called the millennial pause and millennials apparently pause for a couple seconds before filming like a video or a tiktok because we're unsure that whatever we're recording from is on and apparently Zoomers don't do that, and I just feel my hair getting grayer as I'm reading this article. <laughs> Is that why they all start and it's just like they're in the middle of a thought already? They're either in the middle of a thought or there's just like three seconds of awkward silence. Awesome. Uh, lo I love being this and also getting old at the same time. But anyway, uh, enough about old boomers not knowing how to use technology. Toilet of Hell for me is one of the best examples of a corner of a fandom that operates pretty well within the circle it, ex it exists within. Uh, there's no denying that you and all the contributors put in a ton of hard work with reviews, debuts, podcasts, and other strange articles about a whole mess of other topics. But you also spend a lot of time talking about the culture of heavy metal, whether it's bad or good or just plain weird. And note, I said bad before uh, good and weird, <laughs> because it's just like every week there's something, there's just something new going on in this, in this, uh, in our corner of the, of the globe. Has that always been like part of you being a metal fan that there needed to be conversations about heavy metal as part of a greater pop culture world, as well as kind of just having like a grounded view of it about some of the more like problematic aspects of it? Well, when I became a fan of heavy metal, it was like late 90s, early 2000s. So I guess like a lot of people around my age, new metal was kind of uh, the thing to get into at the time, just because it was like actually on the radio and there were actual music videos you could watch at any given time. So it was kind of like my introduction to 
getting into this sort of music and at the same time the internet started to like become more available and like spring up and there's more options to go to and it was like still on AOL 5.0 or whatever was going on and as I was getting into heavy music then came like message boards and uh, I started posting on the Ozfest message board in, oh like, my god <laughs> 2002 maybe and that was just kind of my slow introduction to like the bigger world of heavy metal. Like I, I had MTV. I had, I grew up in New Jersey. So we had 92.3 K. Hey, high five. <laughs> which was at the time it had switched over from like classic rock, but Led Zeppelin, Grateful Dead. And in the late nineties, I think kind of piggybacking off of like the popularity of Howard Stern, they went with the, what are the kids listening to these days, particularly like angry men. And it was new metal. So they were like really boosting a lot of the bands at the time. And being in New Jersey, I also got Philadelphia stations. And there was, uh, I think WYSP was the station. They had a late night show on Friday nights called Brockers, which was all metal. So it's a lot of different things kind of coming at me at the time of like when you're really becoming your own person and discovering what you like and being on these message boards kind of introduced me to a lot of new bands and new styles of music. It wasn't just what was on the radio. And one of those things was black metal. And in particular, Mayhem and Varg Vickerness and Dead and Church Burnings and Murders and anti-Semitism. And even as like a 15, 16-year-old with a chip on his shoulder... Like, even back then, I'm like, why are people okay with this? Why is this cool? Why is this the hip thing? Why are people, why do they want to listen to this band that's doing all this horrible stuff? And it's kind of always stuck with me where, yeah, we like this thing, but like, we shouldn't lose ourselves just mm -hmm. because we like something or it sounds good to us. Um, you know, it's not just, I like this song and that's the end of it. It's kind of what's behind it, what's going on what does this actually mean? And just throughout my teenage years and into college, just being involved in different heavy metal communities, whether it was in person or on the internet from uh, the OSFIS boards, then went the SMN news message boards, then I think metal realm and eventually ended up a few years later in the metal sucks comments section. And that's kind of how toilet of hell started. Uh, we were all just in every comments, just really like talking to each other, goofing on whatever the article was talking about. And then it kind of just evolved into us having conversations via a comment section, posting music to each other, unrelated videos, that sort of thing. And eventually the guys at Metal Sucks put in an end to like we were posting videos and pictures and all sorts of stuff. They kind of stopped that. And a bunch of people who later went on to start Toilet of Hell made their own Facebook group and invited people to come over and let's keep the fun going. And from there, eventually came the Toilet of Hell website. Fascinating. I mean, we'll, we'll come back to that. So like, wait, where in New Jersey? Were you North Jersey or South Jersey? Neither. Central. Ah, that doesn't exist. See, people say that, but there has to be a middle. <laughs> there just, there has of to be course. a middle. Of course. I, that's where I, I understand. I understand like geographically, like, yes, there's a thing that is like the middle of the state. I just, I'm one of those assholes that 
firmly believes in like the line of demarcation between the north and the south. Literally the middle, Monmouth County. It is okay, right yeah. in between all them. I mean, my my preferences are north and New York City versus south and Philadelphia. Yeah, because when I was growing up, uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, FM. So, you know, like you said, lots of, you know, new metal. But it's also where I found out about bands like, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, Nine Inch Nails, Alice in Chains, you know, those kinds of bands that are still like around to this day. Obviously, Q1043 for your like classic rock, you know, education, Black Sabbath, Floyd, all that shit. But we, I also had access to, fuck, what was the name of the, the, Oh, there's Seton Hall's pirate. Seton radio. Hall. Yeah. yeah. Seton Hall. 89.5 WSOU. Yep. Uh, I couldn't remember metal. it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I used to listen to that a lot. Came through good. not great by me, but good enough that you could, you know, it didn't matter. You couldn't understand what most of those bands were saying anyway. Yeah. It's a definitely a good station that's still around. And I think their tagline at the time was the only station that will play Pantera at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and, um, I mean, that was that was good for it. it wasn't just new, but it was all sorts of stuff. And uh, that was around the time uh, when like metalcore was starting to become bigger. So you'd hear a lot of those bands as well. And uh, yeah, Station's still around and still doing what they do, except on Sundays, because Seton Hall is a Catholic university and Sundays is all religious. Now, you, you were talking about message boards. And when I was a kid, I did not go on heavy metal message boards, but I most certainly went on to a number of other message boards. And thinking back to that period of time on the internet, that was such a raw period of time that I'm sure when you were engaging in, you know, those conversations and those diatribes and whatnot, you probably thought, oh, this is like, no one's going to like, care about this nobody is going to think about like message boards and think like well how could this like change in the future and obviously now we have a whole mess of things like you know facebook instagram the whole social media empire that's out there but message boards is such a specific time in history i spent a lot of time on like godzilla message boards because i'm a fucking godzilla nerd <laughs> and that's where i went and and learned about fucking weird people on the internet and that was kind of my crash course into the internet is full of fucking really strange, really weird people. You find yourself on other websites like something awful or rotten and that kind of crap. And, you know, we've all seen what kind of filth has emerged off of the internet to influence uh, the greater world culture and not just heavy metal. There's an aspect of the toilet of hell where I feel like you're trying to not bring back that style of like anonymity or anything like that, but as opposed to a lot of other places or other outlets for, you know, metal journalism, we'll call it. People go by the, just like their real names, whereas you guys go by handles and whatnot, which I think is pretty cool. Like, I like that idea. And it's kind of like taking that back from, you know, uh, whatever, Patriot 69 420 or whatever that, you know, those people that love to like put their weird titles on. Like, is that kind of what you were going for to emulate that corner of the internet from that time period? I don't think it was intentional. I think the anonymous names or, you know, under assumed names or whatever you want to call it came from us commenting okay. in the metal sucks section. Um, at the time I had my own blog spot, uh, my own little website called 365 days of horror, which is where my name came from. And it was a project I did uh, 
it was kind of like not too long after like we were still in the recession i hadn't worked for like eight months and i just wanted to do something creative i wanted to do something with my day and uh, at the time like i hadn't really heard of anyone watching and reviewing one horror movie a day for an entire year so that's what i decided to do and that's where the name came from and it just has kind of stuck with me uh since doing that website and then commenting and writing for the website but i think for the anonymity and just kind of having your own persona and something to fall back on i think is good because there are a lot of weirdos out there and uh, especially with heavy metal uh if you write something that someone doesn't like, they will can become, you can become their hobby and they will try to find out everything about you, where you live, contacting family members, all sorts of weird stuff. And then, you know, we don't want that. We can laugh at goofy comments, but I think now the internet has gotten very heavy into its own fandom. And, you know, you, you hear stories all about swatting and all sorts of ridiculousness and, why should we have to deal with any of that when we just want to goof on some band that we don't like? Everyone has internet access. Everyone has phones. So we're all locked in all the time. And I think we've all just kind of lost our minds a little bit. And it's a lot to deal with. And I don't know. With doing a website like this, why should we have to live in fear of just because some band got their undies in a bunch because we said something funny at their expense? <laughs> So to kind of, and I, you kind of answered this question, but to kind of turn the clocks back a bit, like, you know, did you have a background with music before you di started diving into heavy stuff? Um, and like, did you have a musical upbringing or did you just kind of just discover it on your own? Like, did your parents show stuff or did you like play instruments? Did they play instruments? My parents were deadheads. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so they, I think my, my dad said he went to over a hundred Grateful Dead shows. Uh, in his lifetime Jesus. and I'm sure my mom wasn't far back so music was always uh, a thing in our house we had the record player with whatever a uh, hundred vinyl albums cassettes the whole deal so there was all there was always music going on and my parents were always very encouraging to try new things so like yeah I, I played sports I played uh, hockey baseball soccer and did boxing for a while um, but like growing up, uh, my sister played drums and I actually played trumpet for like the school band. So able to read music and play a little bit. And as getting older as a teenager and getting into music and heavy metal, I started, uh, I joined in my senior year of high school, a band, a new metal band called Oblivion, played a bunch of shows, wrote real crappy songs about being real angry, living in the suburbs. Are they, is and, this still a band? Uh, no, no. I think uh, after I went to college, they kind of stuck around for like one more year, changed their name and like never, never really made any music like that. But that was kind of like the genesis of like really wanting to get into music, perform, be a part of it. And uh, in college, started writing for a couple of websites just for the heck of it. And there was a group on campus in college called the Musicians Guild where it's just a group of musicians would get together and put on shows and try to form bands. And it kind of got me on the side of how to book a show, how to set things up, how to break things down, how to learn equipment, learn to like never ever book a festival ever again, because it is a thankless, <laughs> horrible job and no one should ever do that. And uh, from there, just continuing on and uh, having a couple of different metal bands and 
writing for this website and doing the Toilet of Hell podcast. And here I am, whatever, 25 years later, still doing this thing with a genre that is just absolutely ridiculous. Truly ridiculous. Sort of similarly, like I was on the college radio station. Oh, yeah, I, I did that the... too. I forgot to say that. <laughs> yeah, that thing. Yeah. So I was obviously like the heavy metal person even though like at that time like my knowledge of my deeper knowledge of the genre was not what it is today um like that was the period of time where i discovered a lot of these bands and like at that period in my life metalcore really didn't grab my attention um i just it just never really did much for me uh outside of just a couple of bands i mean i liked dillinger escape plan uh, and that probably had more to do with the fact that they were from New Jersey, uh, which is probably why I was like, I just have to like this band. I, they obviously are like a very good band, but that's where I found myself, you know, some, just at the same time, you find out about all the fucking insane metal bands, like you already mentioned them. And I found myself kind of gravitating more towards Stoner and Doom just because it wasn't as repulsive i guess as death metal i just like at the time did not understand death metal i guess i black metal i guess appealed to me more just because it was like fucked up and weird and freaky and you know that's when death heaven came out so it was kind of like a big turning point for metal metal was starting to become more of a known thing you know there were websites that weren't just metal injection or metal sucks or Metal Hammer writing about them. You were seeing it on like Vice and there were other sites building up that. So, and that's where I found out about a lot of this stuff. I wound up going to shows and met people in the city. They tell you like what to listen to. And then after that through Facebook groups is mostly where I've discovered like just, and then you realize there's just an endless supply of heavy metal bands, regardless of genre. <laughs> As someone who uh, runs or handles the toilet of hell email account that gets all the promos and anti requests, we will never run out of heavy metal. Any genre you can think of, there are in any given week, 50 bands to a hundred bands putting out albums. So if there is something out there for anyone, whether it's stoner metalcore, doom, a billion shitty black metal bands, it's out there. I promise you. Half of those black metal bands are solo artists, too. Yeah, that sometimes performing under different names. Same person putting out 10 different albums a year under different names. It's great. What do you think was your earliest experience with heavy metal? And do you look fondly back on it? Or is it something where you're like, oh, that was like kind of lame, but at least it got me down to a better path of and better music taste? <laughs> I can't remember like an earliest one. I'm sure whatever it was, I didn't like it being a little kid and just not liking loud noise and yelling and things like that. But I think the first time where I actually liked uh, something in heavy metal was uh, Metallica's video for the memory remains. It was I think seventh grade middle school and we started early. And, that's um, the one, right? That's the one. Yeah. With Marianne <laughs> faithful. And mm -hmm. how reason, did they do that? How, how did they do that? Cause they were Metallica when that meant something in the nineties. And they could do no wrong. They were playing arenas without much airplay. It was, and it was also the mid-90s. Everyone was out of their mind. That's um, true. So it was like getting ready for school at like 6 in the morning. And this is before there was all sorts of cable channels. And you, know, you could watch cartoons 24 hours a day. Uh, it was like when you're getting ready, you either have 
like the local news channels or MTV, which would actually play music videos just on a loop, the same things. And that video was on every morning and I just thought it was kind of neat. Um, and from there, you know, just kind of seeing what else was out there. The first like actual metal album that I bought was uh, Monster Magnets Power Trip because the video was on MTV all the time. And it was a really cool music video. And that kind of got me into heavier stuff. And they were, they're from New Jersey. They're from Red Bank, which wasn't too far from me. So I could actually go into town and go to the record store that I think Dave Windorf owns or at least like co-owned at the time. And that's where I bought the album. And here we are. Nice. That's pretty cool, man. I, I remember, I've probably mentioned this, like I, I bumped into him uh, going to see Uncle Acid. And he, uh, well, the, my first takeaway was like, Dave Windorf is not the tallest dude in the world, um, <laughs> which is really like jarring because he seems like he's the tallest man in the world, but he's he carries he's not. himself. Yeah, he's got a really big personality, even when he's just saying hello. And he looks at me and he's just like, hey, man, how the fuck are you doing? It's been a while. And I was like, I've literally never met you. <laughs> yeah, that that could happen. And, and he, he's an older fellow, too. So he's been around. You probably just look like someone he's he's met before in tandem with that question do you remember what the first album was that you bought or that you like had purchased for you because my first were probably yeah i think it was say anger i asked my mom to get me two heavy metal cds and she got me say anger which obviously is not very good and the double guns and roses live album which is really good honestly well one out of two isn't bad um my it's first more first like three it was like three it was true. two cds so i was like all right i think this this kind of wins out here my first album that my parents ever got me was live throwing copper so it wasn't metal to begin with um, <laughs> you know for a while it was a alternative rock live oh the uh, band live i yeah, was like band live. live i was yeah. like what i didn't know i was like what reference am i not getting okay yeah, the, the band the live. band live yeah um and like from there's Foo Fighters, The Offspring, that sort of like alt rock type thing. But for metal, it was like mon like I said, Monster Magnet. And the first album I metal album I bought myself was the Heavy Metal 2000 soundtrack. It's a pretty good soundtrack, even though I'm like, it's not like that heavy metal. It's pretty approachable. It, it, it's a mixture because you do have like some like Dio. It, well, the heavy this is the heavy metal two thousand sound. Oh, two thousand. Sorry. So this has. Yeah, I don't like, even know what's on that. This has. It's a mixture of stuff because there's some like industrial type things, and then there's like Pantera's on it, Machine Head, System of a Down, uh, Cold Chamber, uh, Insane Clown Posse, a couple other things on there. So that was kind of the introduction or expansion of heavy metal. Cause like I knew who Pantera was, I knew who uh, System of a Down was at the time, who Machine Head was. Because uh, around this time, I also started getting the Much Music station from Canada on my cable. Mm -hmm. And it was the Canadian version of MTV, essentially. But they had a show called Loud on Saturday nights from like midnight to two, where you could see just all sorts of heavy metal bands like Machine Head. I remember Dark Tranquility, uh, Guar hosted the show once. There was a whole bunch of new different things coming at me all at the same time. Uh, just really an introduction to so many different things out there. 
I'm just like looking at it now. I mean, hey, you got Monster Magnet on there, you know, Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you get like your. See, like I didn't grow up listening to Cole Chamber. So, like, I, everyone loves to, like, you know, bag on them. And I feel like I've made like a comment about them, but like, I just did not grow up on that stuff at all. It's easy to make fun of them because their song titles and their lyrics are just the bare bones of actual lyrics like a song like big truck where he says big truck over and over again <laughs> or the song rowboat where he tells someone to get out of his rowboat and so it's easy to goof on that and also they were like kind of the poster children for just new metal ridiculousness the eye makeup and the hair and the fishnet shirts and goofy names so those kind of one of those bands to really start that going I got two songs on here. I, I remember watching that. That was like a, you know, movie you catch on late at night, just like the first one. And you're like, this is fucking ridiculous, but it's kind of awesome. Yeah. The second one, the sequel is, it isn't a bunch of different stories. It's just like one story. Not that good, but it came out around that time and they had a pretty good soundtrack. So can you talk about, you know, you, you did talk about essentially like the genesis of uh, Toilet of Hell and like what you're working on. You had like your own blog and whatnot, but like, was there anything else going on like before you launched Toilet of Hell? And then like, kind of, is there any other details about how like it eventually like came along? Like it, it was spawned out of the comment section, Metal Sucks, and then like that Facebook group that like was... Was there any other kind of thing that happened during that Genesis? Uh, that was kind of like the main part of it. The real catalyst and person behind everything I should mention, obviously is Joe Thrash and Gil, my co-host for the toilet of hell podcast. He started the website and it was just kind of a place where all of our internet friends could get together and just write about whatever he wanted. That's kind of just been the unspoken rule about toilet of hell. Like if you want to write, something about a recipe go ahead if you want to do a movie review go ahead play video games i think in the early days someone used to write about like working out and exercising as long as it like tangentially relates to metal or just something that you're passionate about like go for it i didn't name the website that's all joe's fault and he has to take responsibility <laughs> for that. and uh it has haunted us ever since we started to do it because when it started it's like ah here's a place where you can just bullshit and I'm sure three months from now we'll just stop and it, it hasn't stopped eight years later. And it's, it has grown enough where we have loyal readers and listeners and people who are involved in our daily lives out of nowhere from literally all over the world. But the, the name comes from the blabbermouth comment section, an infamous commenter. Was it riot X six, six, six. Who, like, to God. this day, we don't know if this person was being serious or they were just, like, an incredibly weird metalhead or whatever was going on. But he, whenever there would be a story, and the, the Blabbermouth comment section has toned down a lot, but, like, metal bands still complain about them in interviews and sometimes write songs about it, uh, where this commenter would say, like, flush Kerry King down the toilet of hell. And we just... Joe picked the name from there and that's what we've been stuck with ever since. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Like that's, that is a great Genesis. What was it? Riot? What? I think it was like riot X six, six, six. I Jesus. think that's what it was. 
People love just throwing that 666 on there. It was, especially in the earlier days of metal, everything was 666. And I mean, we have uh, our of in Toilet of Hell is OV, kind of ironically. So it's a thing. I mean, if you go into Facebook, people still say they're from Hell, Norway as their location. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Said like, we'll get tired of it in three months. I mean, like, did you anticipate it becoming like the entity that it is now? In the early days, we had a, like a lot of contributors that were just kind of doing whatever they wanted. And I didn't start right away. I started a, like a month or two after everything had started going just because I'm like, oh, I want to talk about some stuff. And, you know, from there, it kind of became a weekly, sometimes multiple times a week, just writing different things. Uh, one of the ongoing articles or uh, columns I do has been a video breakdown where it's just finding a goofy heavy metal video and taking gifts from it and doing like a mystery science theater 3000 type comment on little funny sections. Uh, another thing that I've been doing for a long time is a comic called shirt stains where it's goofing on really bad band merch, t-shirts, uh, clothing, alcohol, weird things that bands try to sell slippers, all sorts of weird stuff. And I think it kind of brings things back to like what I was talking about with my early days and kind of discovering the weirdness of black metal and some of the weirder and not so nice people that are involved in heavy metal is just kind of pointing things out and being like, what is this? Why is this a thing? Why does it exist? And trying to do it in a way that's funny and depending on the subject matter, educational, because not everyone knows everything. Not everyone knows the background for every band. Sometimes they just really get into something and then someone has to clue them in. And it's like, it's not your fault. You don't know that. So it's kind of with our width and breadth and wealth of different knowledge of heavy metal and music history and just the backgrounds of kind of how the industry works. It's kind of a good place to do that with articles and with the podcast. And it's a good way to get things off my chest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the right, like the amount of just very like almost like essay, like creative essay, like stuff that come that I've read on there. It's just like, holy shit. I'm like, this is where all the English majors went that couldn't get a job. <laughs> yeah. We, we have a good group of people that have been working for us uh, a long time throughout the years. People have come and gone and it, it's it's always really been good. I've always really been happy with the, the stuff that we've been able to do, especially when looking at some other places and some other commentary. Um, I'm happy where I am. <laughs> I don't want to be going anywhere else because of that freedom and the creativity and the desire to be yourself. You know, we we don't have any ads on the website. We we have Patreon, patreon.com slash Toyota Hell, where people can give us a couple of bucks to like hear another podcast episode or to get mixtapes and cassettes. But beyond that, we are not beholden to advertisers. We're not owned by a big corporation, which if you don't know, some of the other metal websites out there actually are owned by entities or creative other places. And, you know, we don't want to be dictated by any of these outside forces of what to talk about or what not to talk about or what to say and not to say. So it's, it's kind of nice to just be honest and be ourselves in uh, an open forum like that. Yeah, that actually answers my the question I was going to ask. Um, 
next, but I'll kind of like just, you know, rephrase it as much as like I found out about Toilet of Hell through the I Hope You Suffer podcast, which features now rare contributor and baby boy Kit Hart on it. And I started, so I started listening to Riff Raff when he was doing that and eventually Toilet Radio, The Plush. And I know I spent most of my college years and, you know, afterwards reading metal news on websites like Metal Injection, Metal Insider, Loudwire, and, you know, probably Blabbermouth too. Toilet of Hell just quickly became like this haven for sanity during 2020 in particular. Like it was a good year to find it because there was obviously like, fucking pandemic and just the the entire country was turned upside down and all the fucking crazy shit with the election and the you know the social justice movement that you know drove most of the summer and still going to this day i mean you know everything that happened that year we're still dealing with like the follow-up to it you know it's which is just crazy you know like i'm going to so many shows now because everyone's on fucking tour finally I mentioned it on this past week's show where we were talking about a festival in Kentucky that was a pay-to-pay fest and it Ooh, that sounded awful and it imploded. And the way I kind of talked about it was we've been kind of frozen in time, not just in music, but kind of everything of pre pandemic things that were going on. And now I'm not super comfortable saying that we're out of it because we're not, things have opened up to the point where things are relatively normal nothing really changed. There was two to three year gap in our lives. Suddenly we're three years older, but like all the same bands are pretty much exactly as they were putting out the same music, going on the same tours, playing on the same bands. The festivals are coming back, but they all have the same name and they're all kind of still doing the same thing. So it's kind of hard to predict like what's going to happen next and to especially during those, uh, you know, really lean, scary news years uh, to like, just have anything to talk about. And we occasionally had shows where we're like, well, nothing's going on. How are you? <laughs> what are you doing today? You know, we're, we're glad that we're able to kind of keep that going to keep people entertained and informed when a lot of people were furloughed or fired or just stuck at home, not really doing anything else. And we're lucky enough to have good internet connections and, quality microphones and just kind of keep this thing going there wasn't didn't have to worry about going to a studio or plan anything out just like well here's our thing let's keep it going yeah i mean i i invested in a better microphone because i was like well if i'm gonna fucking be here for a while i may as well just sound okay with it <laughs> or at least sound better than the shitty mac uh microphone I, I i say this very frequently i did not expect to start chronicling you know an entire like just crazy year and just I think as I said to somebody how everybody had everybody was in a different situation but it was like the same story which is like a little bit of you know nuance to each one and I guess that kind of like checks out for heavy metal because I know you've made a comment about like there's only like five types of heavy metal and everyone else just kind of doing their own version of it but it was also like kind of interesting how suddenly just everyone's available you know you can just do this like i didn't think i was going to be doing it that often and i was like well i got a lot of free time on my hands now you found yourself with some free time and you're able to explore something that you're interested in and now it's kind of expanded for you into a little community and that's that's kind of like what 12 hell is it's a little community we have are people that have been with us for a very long time and you know we have new people coming in and 
a, a lot of the stuff that we talk about, like on the show or in some of our writings, we learn from other people, people that maybe don't necessarily comment a lot. They might email us. They might reach out through a Twitter DM saying something along the lines of like a good example is um, I wrote an article and we've talked about numerous times, Nurgle from Behemoth. Uh, there was a portion in his book where he talked about watching uh, a gang assault, essentially, and finding it funny. And we had no idea that this was even a thing. Why would I read his book? Why would any of us read his book? But a community member reached out to us and said, oh, you were talking about him and you didn't mention this thing. And just, we had no idea. Who knew? And so that's kind of like where we, the tightness of our community and the people who help us out. Again, it's like you don't know everything, so it's good to have all these sorts of resources and to not have to worry about, well, if we talk about this, the label won't give us access anymore. They won't send us promos. It's like, we don't care. We could always, if we want to listen to the album, we could always go onto YouTube or Spotify later on and listen to it. It's, if they don't want to talk to us because we said something mean about it, like, fine. It makes Wait, no you don't want to, you don't want a promo for that man over there, whatever the fuck his lame side project is called. Uh, the man in his hat or whatever it is. Yeah, God, I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the man in the it's the the man in the big yellow hat from exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and we <laughs> still get them George. anyway. So I mean, I don't. I'm not aware of any label or anyone like cutting us off. So like, I don't think they care all that much, or we just fly under the radar, which is fine by us. Yeah, I mean, I remember I read that and I was like, oh my God. And like, I already think like homie is annoying as hell as it is. And it's just like, oh God, like, I don't, yeah, that, that, you know, kind of just as it goes, you know, one of the things about, you know, heavy metal is the passionate fan base, like you're talking about that exists. And it's also like, just like the most frustrating of genre to be into at times because there's just like so many questionable folks, like fuck, you know, like we're talking about Nurgle, great example over that have been associated with over the years. And it was very helpful to me because, you know, you weren't looking at things through Budweiser bottle goggle lenses of like some middle-aged dork who's just going to be like, whatever, man, just, want, just here for the riffs. And that article specifically, people were not happy in the comments section. It's like, well, I'm telling you this thing. It's up to you to decide what you want to do with that. And if you don't care, that's your prerogative, but. Uh, it's not for me. And, uh, you know, I would want other places and people to at least inform me about it, not necessarily, uh, you know, fight about or get mad at or try to cancel because you just don't know something. But, you know, there, there's only so much you can do. And uh, it's up to your own personal preferences to if you want to keep listening to that or watching a band live or just giving them money. It's like, I mean, if you want to keep listening to it, go ahead. Uh, it's not for me and I don't want to give this person money anymore because they suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of a more specific example, if you want to discuss it, I know, I know you discussed it on recent episode of your podcast was the Scott Kelly, you know, well, I kind of will say quotes revelations uh, about his, the abuse of his uh, wife and family and how this has been going on seemingly for a really fucking long time um and uh you know as somebody who's like 
a very big fan of doom metal and the associated genres. Not that like Neurosis is a doom metal band specifically, whatever you want to call them, you know, but they're like a cornerstone of that genre. And like, you know, of course you, I've, I've spent a period of time where I listened to every single Neurosis album. Cause you're like, I have to, you have to understand this band and how important it is because everybody's like, Oh, they're so amazing. And people who are not really into other kinds of, uh, bands from that genre like oh no neurosis is like amazing they're so great you know they're like one of the i think one of the more interesting bands that played ozfest over the years like looking at those lineups compared to like who they were playing alongside and uh you know you kind of just have this understanding of a guy like scott kelly being mellow level-headed guy who's he's smart and he's very talented he's you know got like a really unique way of like writing music and lyrics and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, I've just like opened up my Instagram and, you know, I'm just like woke up and I'm, that's the first thing I see. And it's just this horrific, you know, and I'm not going to read it. It's long and you can, you, it's out there. So you can go read it if you want to. I just remember like feeling incredibly you know uncomfortable kind of like sick and i was like but wait a minute i feel like this guy said something like this a few years ago and like you know and eventually people did bring up the fact that like a few years ago he had made a statement similar to this where he was like having some issues with the same thing and it didn't seem as drastic at the time and then you realize like oh he probably was leaving out a large number of details that he elaborated on in this post and exactly what he was doing. And by the end of reading it and reading it to my partner, you know, we both agreed that it, it really did not come off as he was like being a big man by admitting this and stepping away from neurosis and music to work on himself. It still felt very manipulative and narcissistic in my opinion, the way I read it, it still felt like he was trying to redirect blame or, focus onto his wife. I, you know, I think neurosis made a pretty good statement about it. The fact that he's been like out of the band seemingly since 20, even before 2020, like since 2019 kind of says a lot. I think a lot of people, it was interesting to see like the respective plat, like uh, platforms and like how people were responding where like, it seemed to be like he was kind of getting a like, oh man, Scott, that sucks. Like, hope you can get your shit together. You know, you've been a really important part of my life over the years, kind of on Facebook, but I feel like he was getting largely condemned by people on Instagram. It's just, it's just interesting and weird to see like that kind of difference, just sort of like a stray observation. But I think it's, I think it's a really fucking sad situation all around, you know, obviously like number one, for his family. Uh, I think, you know, number two, the band that he's been involved with and leaving a very like long impact over the years. And, you know, number probably number three is like, just you duped a lot of people that thought pretty highly of you. And they probably are going to feel very questionable about listening to your music or like, I mean, they're not going to see Scott Kelly again. He's, he's disappearing because he can't, handle you know facing this or whatever and uh I, it's it's just a really tragic bad situation that i i don't really think you can look at from 
too many different angles. There's really not a way to look at this and be like, I think he's going to get better. I mean, like he's made us a pretty awful situation for everybody involved. Yeah. I think this has been going on for a long time. Um, Decades. It seems. Yeah. Maybe not decades, but certainly like a number of years. And we talked about this on our own show, but the the thing about this statement, um, however you feel about it, why now is the question yeah. I asked. Like, what is going on where you have to make this long, very specific statement about yourself and cutting yourself off? We're only getting one side. We're not getting anything from his family, which is uh, somewhat concerning, but perhaps it's it's a privacy thing and we'll see what else happens um, in regards to like the neurosis statement, uh, the band um, pretty forceful, uh, specific and strong. The one thing that concerned me about that is it's news. I'm pretty sure it's news. It was to me that they kicked him out in 2019. So unless that was a, a situation where um, his wife or family, you know, asked them not to discuss it. What took so long for this news to come out? Yeah, I think I'm, I think they had curious. said that in the post that okay. it was at her discretion. It so just seems like for such a big band, for such an influential band to to kick out a member and to like no one know about it for four years, three years. That's that's interesting too. So I guess we will see what will happen as things go on. Um, I certainly hope no bands. Have him come on as a guest vocalist. Hopefully Mastodon does not do that anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, like not to make light of the situation, but yeah. like I couldn't help but laugh at how many people said, oh, that's why he wasn't on the last Mastodon album. And I'm like, no, there's probably a good fucking reason why he wasn't on it. Like, you know, that maybe there was a fucking global pandemic going on and logistically it made no sense or whatever. Or maybe they just didn't want to have him on. Who knows? Yeah, there's any sorts of reasons for that. But um, yeah, it's, it's sad and it's disappointing. And I hope that his family is okay. And what do you do in that situation? You're a fan. You make that call. You're not going to listen to him anymore. You're going to listen to him. That's up to you. Um, don't. I would hope people don't participate in some sort of redemption tour a year or two down the line because I could see him coming back with an acoustic guitar and people being into that for whatever reason. Um, this is also why I caution people not to get band tattoos because they are human beings and humans can do very stupid and very horrible and very heinous things. And you don't want to be stuck with that uh, uh, as a tramp stamp or something like that. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't want a, a big uh, trip Eason tattoo on your neck or something like that, because that's going to be hard to scrub off. <laughs> Who's that? The, oh, here's some new metal news for you. He was the guitarist for Static X. And, oh, oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> so he, he's caught up in that whole like drama and shit that's going on with that band. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was arrested. He was arrested and then kicked out for having uh, underage sex uh. with underage girls. And um, he still tries to pop up every now and then because he's mad at the band for supposedly using his songs on their latest redo album and it's just like no one cares about you dude you gotta love that like he fucked up and he knows he fucked up and it's like clearly it's just plain as day that he fucked up and somehow it's i'm it's not my fault it's the bands they're using my songs yeah it's always someone else's fault kind of like 
you know, wrap up on like the Scott Kelly thing. It's, I just think it's the other part of it is there's just, there's so many people in heavy metal that have done like egregious things or said like egregious things and they still do like people just don't seem to care. And then something like this happens and it seems like by and large, he has been like condemned, you know, like people just are like, you're done. Like that's so fucked up that what you did, like, and your statement is fucked up and you're not being honest and you're just continuing to be this vile repulsive being that you apparently have been your entire life. It's so strange. Like I said, we'll see with, if there's a redemption tour in a couple years, the same thing was pretty much said for Tim Lambesis when he tried to have his wife murdered and he, actually went to jail for it and now as la dying was playing sold out shows so we'll we'll see if it's a, a genre thing where metalcore is like yeah we're all creeps we remember warp tour or if the doom and stoner community will actually keep him at arm's length people were like fine with bobby liebling so yeah it's still playing shows and people are all hails and it's all great it's like man really that guy well, uh, maybe we'll just kind of like, you know, wrap there and just kind of put it as simply like, fuck Scott Kelly. He's an asshole. There you go. Don't come back. Disappear forever. Previously, I was listening to an episode of your podcast. I think it was it was episode 382. And you had this long discussion about uh, what metal you actually like. Because I, you know, as over the last like 45 minutes or whatever, you know, we've been talking about like kind of just the realer things about heavy metal and what, and, and like how maybe we should actually be viewing those things. Um, And uh, you had this discussion of what metal do you actually like and what bands you actually like. And it kind of got me thinking about my own personal you know, my own persona on Diary of Doom and like how I was like when I was starting the podcast portion of the blog, like even just a couple of years or whatever, I wasn't like entering the scene as like, you know, I've been listening to doom metal my entire life. Like I was coming in of being like, that was just the subgenre that I connected with. And like, that's how I got to learn about so many bands by meeting people and talking to them online and not like even deep cuts for doom, like a band like Thurgathon or something like that. Like people were saying like, yo, you should listen to dub or these rap albums because they're probably going to connect with you because of this, like whatever, this is the kind of sound you like, you'll probably like this too. And, uh, you know, if you want to like talk about more mainstream artists, like I, so many people have pushed like Sade on me, like metal fans are like Sade rules and like Sade does rule, like super fucking talented, great music. And like you mentioned that in that chat about how there are, death metal fans who only listen to death metal and it was interesting to learn like from my perspective like how stoner and doom fans like how much other music they listen to or you know don't because there's those folks too and uh you know overall i feel like a lot of the discussions are like largely positive as opposed to like you know i'm not gonna like listen to anything else uh and about being open to like trying new things as opposed to just listening to metal you know, and like not everything like resonated with me, but it was always like worth checking out generally for the most part. And like, I'm not asking you to repeat that conversation, but like, you know, generally, like, how do you feel about, I guess, like, how do you feel about that? I don't know if that's the right way to like ask it. There are plenty of people who listen to metal. I, I would even say maybe the majority who do listen to other things. Uh, I just think it's maybe a front or 
I don't want to say posing, but uh, just kind of this idea of like you have to dress a certain way to be metal. Is that a thing in other genres, like outside of heavy music, where it's like you have to act ska if you go to the ska show? You, <laughs> you, you better... Country, probably. Yeah, like you better wear your keyboard necktie and a bowler hat if you're going to the ska show. Like, probably not. Country, I think that's more of like a cultural, culturally ingrained type thing where it's mm-hmm. you're you're from a certain area where people dress like cowboys anyway and wear flannel because they work on farms and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a mixture of that. But with with metal, it feels like, especially depending on the genre of what you're going to, you will see people wearing the metal uniform you know if you're going to heavy metal or thrash show you'll see plenty of people in denim and leather and that's cool if that's what you want to do black metal show you will see people in corpse paint and spiky things and i don't know to to me personally it's unnecessary like if you want to wear it go ahead be comfortable rep the bands that you want to rep and that's cool but for me it's always just like i don't know whatever just a band t-shirt and jeans like that's enough for me i don't want to have to learn how to sew i don't want to have to <laughs> i don't want to have to put on my special going out jacket just because i'm going to see a couple bands and if you want to do it cool but for me it's unnecessary i know what bands i like i know that i like this type of sound and that sort of thing so i don't need to just focus myself on one sort of thing and you know mentioning earlier i didn't start out liking metal i liked you know radio rock alt rock I like some ska bands, some punk, uh, different sorts of things. And uh, during that discussion, I mentioned like I am more of a fan of bands than genres necessarily. I'll gravitate towards certain things like I I will like in terms of doom. I like more of the like bummer type stuff. I don't really want to listen to bands going on for 15 minutes yarling about smoking weed. And I don't know, playing with wizards, that's just, it doesn't really interest me. And it kind of feels plotting Um, where I live now. I, you know, I live in Providence, Rhode Island, and maybe 10 years ago, the scene was just rotten with doom bands and uh, a lot of like two piece drum and bass stuff. Like this is where the body is from. And there's just so many clones and being in different bands, having to go to those shows and sit through five bands that just do the same do 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 <laughs> yeah i mean just, a ugh. lot of people on come on here and are like no i love going to see a show where it's like a sludge band a grind band a noise band and a stoner band like that's a good bill yeah and like sludge is cool like give me crowbar give me that really humid gross fat dude beard stuff that's cool <laughs> but like i said like if like doom i like i like more melodic things and i kind of like something that makes me feel something whether it's the lyrics or the sound so more towards swallow the sun catatonia my dying bride that sort of thing which is like man i feel real bad let's hear some violins now oh that's nice (laughs) yeah like paradise lost and the it has like that gothic emotion to it yeah and you know I'm, i'm open to listening to whatever you want to throw at me. It's just, I kind of have a thing where if it's popular and everyone's talking about it, I immediately like push it away because I need to like find things on my own. And that way it like becomes special to me. It's like, Oh, this is a thing I like. And I found it. And it's not everyone talking about, I don't know, Chelsea Wolf or something like that. She's like, man, I get it. Cool. 
She plays guitar. <laughs> what else you got? I said it earlier when the comment of, you know, there's only like five kinds of heavy metal and every band is just kind of like doing their version of it. You know, like what to use, like what makes a good metal band for you? Ooh, that's a tough question. I think it's, I don't know if there's a set rule. I don't know if there's set rules for anyone. I think it's where you are in life and what grabs you at that certain moment. Like there are some bands and I think we all do it where, Maybe you come across them and you're just not feeling it. You're at a weird point in your life. There's other stuff going on. You're in a bad mood when you're listening to it and you just kind of write it off for a long time. And then somewhere down the line, you're listening to Spotify and you're going on the discover list and it's just random things. And you'll hear a song from a band you initially didn't like. And at that moment, you're in a different place. You're feeling a different way and it can hit you and connect with you and really make you fall in love with something or at least that song, if not the entire band. And that's kind of the cool thing about something like this is we get a lot of different things on a daily basis to listen to. And we have so many different options, whether it's podcasts or websites doing premieres or labels, putting out free samplers, or all sorts of different things. And live music is coming back. And if you're near venues, you could just go see whatever you want we have a lot on our plate and sometimes it can be a lot and too much and you miss out on stuff. But when something really hits you, it could stay with you the rest of your life. And I think that's really cool. And it's why we do what we do. And it's why we're passionate about this stuff and why, you know, it's, I had a friend that just did not like music in college. He had like five CDs of music and the rest were comedy albums. And it's just something that he wasn't into. Music didn't really mean that much to him. And, you know, for us, for people that do this, that listen to the show and have bands and book shows, this is our thing. And this is why we love it. And it's it feels so good to find that special thing and to make it your own. Yeah. And I just want to stress, like, we do like metal. <laughs> I know we spent a lot of time <laughs> kind of talking about some of the weightier things of it, but we do like metal. <laughs> There's we do. It's, there it's, is it's, lots it, to like about it's it. It's easier to talk about the stuff you don't like and always the, the things that you're passionate about because you believe in things it's so much harder to say like oh i like this song because the guitars go weedily deedly in a good way that makes chemicals in my brain flow especially when there's some baggage with some of these bands and people do bad things but you know it's when it connects with you it can stay with you for the rest of your life and you know it's sometimes hard to explain even if you really like a song, but you don't like a band or you're like a band, but you don't like a scene or a genre. It's like, well, I don't like metalcore, for example, but I love this album. I love this one kill switch engage album. How do you explain that to people? And how do you explain it to yourself? Like why this album and not five others that sound like it. Perfect example. Um, when I was younger, I remember my friend let me borrow his like CD book and one of the CDs in there was Sing the Sorrow by AFI. And I'm like, wow, this is fucking insane. Like, this is cinematic. Like, I feel like I'm listening to The Crow, but like um, in CD form. And that movie already has an amazing soundtrack. I had never heard anything like that up until then. And I've just not been interested in anything else AFI has really done over the years. Uh, if I'm being completely and perfectly honest, like I have nothing against them. I just was like, I listened to some other stuff and I'm like, yeah, I just don't really like this that much. But that album 
to this day still really clicks with me. Yeah, that was a, a massively popular album. It came out at the right time. The scene was right. They had uh, good backing. Were they on Nitro Records? Um, Maybe, I don't know. I mean, uh, and, it also, they were. It, it, and it also just doesn't sound like really basic like two you know two three chord pop punk or something like that like no this is like a big hugely produced album with like a with string sections and weird concepts and sampling and background noises and and whatnot like it just it felt super dynamic to me and i think i think that's something that i've maybe that's a problem is that i've had this thing where like you know, another band that I've been huge fan of my entire, like pretty much my entire life, or at least my musical appreciation life is Nine Inch Nails. So I've, I've kind of had this thing where I feel like I love metal bands that have, that are dynamic, where it sounds like they put in, you know, there's just all of this like stuff and it's well-produced and it's arranged perfectly. And, you know, sometimes I think that's kind of hard when you're just you know, three people, guitar, bass, and drums, vocals, no vocals, whatever. And you're just kind of, you know, you're renting out a studio for the day and that's all you have. And you have to just bang it out and whatnot. Like there's verses like back in the day and even the albums that like, maybe I'm not like crazy about, like, you know, vulgar display of power sound still sounds huge. You know, it still sounds like gargantuan and, and for what it was and coming out at the time. Um, so I think that's something is like, I get excited when I can feel like bands are doing that dynamic approach, you know, like Zeal and Ardor, I think is a good example of a recent band where I'm like, this sounds like a band who is just completely open and willing to try anything they want. Like they just don't give a shit. Yeah. Zeal and Ardor is a great band, especially live. Um, but like with those bands like Pantera, AFI, uh, and sounding big and dynamic, uh, those bands had juice behind them from labels yeah. and PR people and would pay to have them record in actual real million dollar studios over uh, weeks at a time. And now, you know, it's easier than ever to record bands and put it out for people to listen to Bandcamp, Spotify, wherever. So it's kind of like the great equalizer of everyone has a chance. But when it comes to sound and quality, that equalizer has kind of brought a lot of things down and um, sound quality and maybe skill, talent, ability to make something sound great and huge and amazing uh, isn't quite there anymore, especially with labels really not getting behind rock music nowadays. Um, it's pretty much all been pop, hip hop and buying up old catalogs of already established hits so that they can just rent out the music and license everything to whatever next Marvel movie is going to come out or Apple commercials or things like that because they're known successful quantities rather than taking a risk on some band from, uh, I don't know, San Francisco that has a little bit of a following and an A&R rep happened to catch them at a show and wants to take a chance on them. Now it's why even bother? We can just get Bruce Springsteen's catalog and make a uh, millions of dollars off of stuff that came out 40 years ago. Yeah. We'll have one of those like EDM remixes of born to run. <laughs> yeah. To, or my most hated thing, a slowed down cover for a, a <laughs> movie trailer. Ugh. You know, I don't know. I, some of them I think like do work, but it it's one of those things where 
I it has to like actually work and feel like it fit like truly fits the mood and like kind of operates as like a good song on its own. But now, it, but you're right in that it has just become this trope, you know, like to just have like this really slow version of like a real like a, a I don't know maybe like a peppier but still kind of heavy song. Yeah, I mean the you know don't get me wrong, slow down with pretty vocals and piano that has the potential to be very good. I like some of that stuff. I'm wearing a trees of eternity shirt right now. And that's what that is. But um, I, I think it was a slow twinkly version of Nirvana smells like teen spirit where I wanted to flip the table. Well, like, yeah, that that's the good example of where it's like not great. You know, like I was listening to the new oceans of slumber record and they have a cover of uh, uh House of the Rising Sun. House of the Rising Sun. And I'm like, and immediately I was like, God, this would sound so cool, like in a movie trailer. Like one of those like period pieces mm-hmm. or something. I think the difference is they're a real band and Ken <laughs> right, is, is a great singer. So they have that working for them and they were able to make it their own without it being sappy or like clearly a pop singer that they threw in the studio for a half hour to bang out a Beatles song. So it, it can work, and it, it also depends on the purposes, too. It's a song on their album. It's not they're trying to sell uh, a Kia's or a new Mazda. I will say a cover that I somewhat think is, like, fine, but also don't really like was when they did that pretty not great cover of Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult and had Serge Tankian doing the vocals. And I'm like, yeah, he's not the guy I would have. And I, I like system. I'm not like a huge system of a down fan. And I think his voice fits for that band, but that was just a strange, strange and uh, unnecessary cover. Yeah. They don't always work. It, I think it depends on the situation and depends on how you want to do things. It's, you can cover the song exactly as how it's done, which a lot of bands do. You can cover a song and put like a little twist on it and make it sound like who you are as a band, or you just do completely whatever you want to do, like Tori Amos covering Rain and Blood. <laughs> that rules. Um, y'all promote so much of it. Like for you, like what defines like a good death metal band because there's so many death metal bands out there right now and it's going through this movement like you know i like the classics like now i like that that genre uh a lot more and you know i like the classics like obituary and carcass and cattle decap and i definitely am not just saying those because i'm going to see them in december or in bolt thrower and like of the newer crop i really like blood incantation and frozen soul tomb mold creeping death oxygen destroyer gate creeper uh oxalate from new jersey you know just to name a, a few of those there's i mean there's so many actually like really great ones you know we're, we're in this again this weird like frozen repeating period where there's another old school death metal band putting out an album every other month and the internet tends to, at least the metal Twitter internet tends to fall over themselves with, Oh my God, blood incantation. Oh my God on death. And uh, it, it tends to, to get overwhelming at times where like, I know you listen to other bands. Can we please talk about something else? But uh, as far as what makes good death metal, it's i think talent you need to be able to play your instruments um i would say you need to find that sweet spot of taking yourself serious enough as musicians but not taking yourself so serious that like you're 
really going on and on about drinking blood and, and tossing babies over your head. Like I've seen Cannibal Corpse live and in between songs, George Corpse Grinder Fisher is like joking with the crowd, like having fun with it. So I think that kind of helps take the edge off of things for some metal bands and metal heads that take things too seriously. Um, and just kind of knowing you, knowing what you want to do, knowing which road you want to go down and sticking with it and maybe not trying to uh, ingratiate yourselves to what a, a sound is as of right now. Like you don't have to sound like morbid angel, morbid angel already exists. If you want to be inspired by them, that's cool. Do it, but like make it your own. And I think a lot more bands would benefit from making things their own without trying to just ape a, a certain sound or a style. Cause it's, you can see which bands are able to separate themselves a popular band like Blood Incantation, what they can do and how people react to them and how they're able to do a genre we all uh, are, we all know and has been well tried before and still make it interesting and still be creative and still have something in it that separates them from just your, your average band that you may see opening a 20-band bill at Starland Ballroom. Yes, put out an entire synth album, even though you're a death metal band. Good move. <laughs> I guess they wanted to do it. Uh, you know, props. Oh, to them. hey, I'm I'm all for it. I really liked it. <laughs> props to them for doing whatever they want to do. Uh, fan interest be damned. Oh yeah, I hard agree. Do you think it helps that you're not just a fan of heavy metal and like you like other things and like what are you know you're obviously passionate about like horror movies? Yeah, I think we live in a big world. There are so many options for learning and education and entertainment all these things we could pull from that why settle for just one thing why dress a certain way and only dress that way you know you don't want to be the guy who's like this isn't a costume this is a way of life it's like it's definitely a costume come on <laughs> don't you want to wear shorts when it's hot out <laughs> yeah right you don't need to perform in all black just wear shorts be comfortable man and you know it's just, I, I think more and more Says the guy who wears all black when it's not summer. <laughs> we all do. It's, I mean, metal t-shirts are either black or like neon yellow or goofy colors or white. And it's just like, well, black works. Black's a, black is slimming. Um, but yeah, it's just do, do what you want. You don't have to conform to any sort of way. And if someone calls you a poser, fuck them. They're a dork. Who cares? Dress how you want listen to what you want if you want to listen to blink 182 and then go see cattle decapitation go for it who cares it's as i get older i i realize more and more how much it doesn't matter <laughs> like yeah at the end of the day like your personal happiness and hopefully the happiness of the people you love and that are around you is important too but do what you want as long as you're not hurting people you're not costing anyone money you're not being weird then cool you want to wear a bright pink hoodie at the black metal show go for it have fun and if people get mad fuck them they're just gonna like growl at you that's it i mean you don't want to be friends with those people anyway do you <laughs> we've been going for a while so uh we'll we'll i'll see if i can we'll do this on like a more uh upbeat note here you get a lot of outreach from, you know, not just labels and bands, but also fans. They comment or they tweet or they write in. I know one time you got a message about 
or from a very irate Van Halen fan. <laughs> we like, still have that email. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do have a couple of emails I've saved over the years just because I'm like, God, this is so fucking insane. Or like I forwarded it to me, myself or whatever to hold on to. But like, what are some of the most bizarre things you've received, whether it was like a reaction or a proposed idea or a band or whatever? Like, what's some of the weird stuff that you've seen crawl out of the Internet? A lot of the usual uh, dorks on Facebook being mad that we're making fun of black metal, uh, making fun of Tool, that sort of thing. Uh, But the two examples I can think of where bands, actual bands got mad at us. One was, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Streborg. Not familiar with them. He's uh, a one-man black metal guy from like Tasmania, like with the the face paint and a cloak and just putting out screechy synthy music. And I, I don't even remember what the catalyst was. And I, we were actually surprised he was on the internet. But they have internet in Tasmania? <laughs> apparently, he gets good Wi-Fi in the cave he lives in. And... <laughs> I think it was just like a review of one of his albums. And then, you know, I don't think it was particularly positive. And he showed up in the comment section and he was replying to everything and was not happy about it to the point where uh, we, we haven't done this in a long time, but we've occasionally have toilet of hell shirts for sale. We, I say we, I took one of his pictures where he had the face paint was in a cloak in the spooky woods and photoshop the angry face emoji into where his face was with the cloak around it and we put it on a shirt and started to sell it and he was not <laughs> happy about it and uh, eventually he kind of like relented and like has sent us promos since then um i think maybe he was fairly new to the internet and was uh in the comments section trying to defend himself we we're just like no we're just we're just goofing on you it's fine that rules. So, so that, that was one. And the other time was for me specifically, uh, I wrote an article making fun of uh, the band Origin. They put out a shirt with uh, a Rick and Morty character on it. And I was just making fun of it because this was when people were being real weird about that show and jumping on McDonald's counters, wanting sweet and sour sauce and just just a funny little article making fun of the shirt. They wrote a long Facebook post about it and we're not happy about it. <laughs> so fucking Rick and Morty, uh, the band origin, but they like, but basically over Rick and Morty. Yeah. About, <laughs> about being made fun of this Rick and Morty shirt that they were selling. And it wasn't mean. <laughs> I never understood it. It was just like, really origin. You're putting out a shirt with this thing. That's kind of funny. And they took offense to it and uh, really was it uh, death metal guys typing paragraphs. It's just like, I don't think it was that bad what I was saying about you, but okay. Strange. I just looked up this street board person and uh, interesting looking fellow. Yeah. It's a guy in a cloak in the woods playing on a broken Casio keyboard. And, you know, we have no problem with him. It's just, he was not happy with us. And it, which was weird because you got to figure Someone who making that type of music has experienced a lot of not positive feedback, but I, maybe we were the first he signed online for the first time, looked up his name and went, what the fuck? (laughs) Have you been listening to anything? I mean, obviously, you know, you run toilet of hell, but I mean, has there anything, has there been anything that you've been listening to lately that you've been really into? 
too much. This is like the first year in a long time we do end of the year uh, article where we go through like our top 10 albums that come out of the year. And every year it's always a struggle for me. It's like, what came out? What happened this year? I don't remember anything past two weeks ago and end up going to like Wikipedia, heavy metal albums released in the year. It's like, no, uh, I know who this band is. I guess I'll include them. I'll listen to this album for the first time. Yeah, this is good enough. But this year, for whatever reason, I think pandemic and otherwise, a lot of bands have put out a lot of really good albums this year to the point where like, I'm actually going to have to struggle to narrow this thing down. And of course, as I say that, I'm just blanking on everything I've listened to this year. But there's been like Stabbing Westward put out an album for all old industrial people that I really enjoy. Um, Oceans of Slumber has a new album out that um, if you like that sort of thing, I wrote an article for Total Hell a few years ago where I dubbed them and similar sounding bands as Passion Doom. Yeah, that was a great article. I I felt that was like a better description and subgenreing than just like Doom. Because when I think of Doom, I think more of big fat sweaty guys with beards just kind of yelling. Yeah, playing like sludgy riffs. Yeah, and... And like what a band like Oceans of Slumber does is more passionate, beautiful, pretty, has soul, has feeling. Your significant other won't tell you to turn down that racket. At this <laughs> We're actually going to see them uh, this week. Pretty excited. They are. They're coming by me too. I'm debating. I haven't gone to a show since before the pandemic, and I'll have to see how I feel. I haven't. I haven't gone out a lot since then. So. It'll be a game time decision for me. Well, I hope I hope you venture out. I'm looking forward to to seeing them. I also was supposed to see Monolord with Dorothea uh, Cottrell from Windhand at St. Vitus, but that was canceled because I'm assuming one of the guys got COVID from Psycho Las Vegas in mm. Monolord, or if not COVID, they got something else, and uh, they were just like, oh, uh, he's done. Like he's got to go home." because he's exhausted. So I did wind up getting one of her solo records, um, which was cool. So I'm looking forward to listening to that. I also went to go see, I did actually go to uh, a show. I was going to go to those two and uh, it was just one. I went to see Fulci and Oxygen Destroyer and Oxalate and Skull Shitter at St. Vitus, which was an awesome show. I had a really good time. It was, uh, I think it was like the first time I've gone to like a most, like a pretty much only death metal uh, Bill and I thought all four bands uh, sounded really like different and unique and obviously me being a huge Godzilla fan and a horror fan uh, I was really amped and very happy with uh, Oxygen Destroyer and Fulci and Oxygen Destroyer I found out about through Toilet of Hell I was like oh yeah this is uh, this was made for me <laughs> yeah we've uh, premiered them a few times I think good guys the other night I went to go see Roger Waters at MSG and uh, he is a uh, hashtag resist old man now he's been that way for a while it's like dialed up to 11 now like i like compared to other times i've seen him i was like wow this is uh this is pretty uh on the nose i guess he's he's found a new audience and that's what he's leaning into i mean some of the people that were like booing and saying shut up asshole would (laughs) disagree with you but it makes me laugh that there's people that just like still are like, I have to go. I have to see this. I have to see comfortably numb, even though he's like, so, you know, not in line with my politics and 
blah, blah, and then they're just like, fuck you, play the song. Yeah, I think for those people, this is their only show, possibly in yeah. years. And, you know, they, they stopped listening to music in 1989, so they don't know anything new. And they just want to hear the songs, and they haven't bothered to keep up with what the musicians are talking about now or what The Wall was about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in terms of what I've been listening to lately, uh, I think you posted about this, and I, maybe you can pronounce it better than me, Tzij de Horde. Terzij de Horde. I don't know. It's a oh yeah yeah yeah. It's uh it wasn't on one of my articles, but uh, yeah no I know who you're talking about. Yeah, it's a black metal band. Uh, I listened to Carl Sanders's like solo album, Saurian Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't know Carl Sanders did that. Didn't know he wrote a bunch of weird semi-acoustic world music dinosaur folk metal. Uh, yeah, this is the third one. Like, it was weird, but I, I liked it. Yeah, you know? I, I had the same reaction. I'm like. Eh they have two albums out already <laughs> yeah that was kind of the catalyst from for one of the toilet of hell podcast episodes uh, a couple weeks ago where we explored lesser known side projects and side bands from people that we had just forgotten about or no one ever talks about and like um fight with rob halford and all sorts of other weird stuff that just exists and no one ever talks about yeah, apparently he does like play it in between songs at Nile shows, but I've only seen Nile once, so I I, I have no like frame of reference for it. Uh, listen to Ithaca, They Fear Us, <laughs> good um, album. It's not really my thing, but I mean, I liked all of the ballad type songs a lot mm-hmm. on it. They seem like very cool people. Ash Inspire, which is like weird jazzy metal. I listened to Lost Dog Street Band, which is if you don't know what they are, it's like bluegrass i guess bluegrass and fiddle music (laughs) i checked out don caballero like really fucking cool instrumental band that i was anticipating to be faster and more noodly but it's not i really liked it definitely recommend american don and what burns never returns thank you trent for pointing that out to me listen to paralyzed by witch which rules uh this Band Crestfallen Dark, kind of more weird, folky, heavy, heavy stuff. I listened to a uh, friend of the show, uh, Nate Toll's album, uh, new album with his band Extermination Day. I thought it was really good. Uh, Panopticon has another album out, Collapse. I mean, it's, it's great. Um, I listened to Thrice for the first time. I'll have to explore more of it. It's not really like, like they're really good musicians, but I'm not a fan of that vocal style. So we'll see. It's very uh, 2005, yeah. 2004, 2005. Uh, you can tell it's been a while since I recorded because I have a lot of things written down. <laughs> uh, listen to Pelican's album, What We All Come to Need. It's great. Uh, listen to the new Conan album, which I thought was fucking rad. I like that they had this awesome instrumental track reef sequence at the end with like a spooky organ uh splintered throne another band i found out about through toilet of hell uh, their album greater good of man is really fucking awesome uh new mountain goats album is really good uh mortiferum is a really good band uh, it's like death doom preserved and torments great album i listened to the new high lung album drift it's viking music I saw them. It was really cool. I like one of their albums. I don't know if I need to listen to like four or five of their albums. Gave Doom Riders and Chelsea Wolf a revisit. Listen to my friend Freiburger's old band, Throne a Bone. Really good stuff. 
uh, Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. If you don't know who that is, it's Tad Doyle's stoner metal band or you know riff band, and it's really fucking good. Is that Tad um, from the band Tad? Yeah, Tad Doyle. Yeah, no one talks dude. about Tad anymore, but they were such a good band. They are a great band. Yeah, I was listening to Tad uh, like a few months ago, and really, really fucking awesome band. I think they just they came out at the wrong time. They yeah, came out like during the now it would be like really big. Like they were around the same time as like your Sound Gardens and Pearl Jams and Nirvanas, and like they were just like too heavy for that, but not quite heavy enough to be like metal so they're just kind of like this weird heavy thing that i think like you said if, if they came out now more people would be into it and also like with a name like tad it kind of gives it that air of like ween where it's one of those yeah. like weird bands that are also like really good and they just they were pretty much like a i wouldn't say straight forward but like they were a heavy fucking rock and roll band mm -hmm. and it's just like a fucking weird name Listen to Burnt by the Sun. Not really my thing. I didn't know Dave Whitty was in that band. Um, Dave Whitty's in every band. That's true. Um, he's on this podcast right now. I just have the drums. <laughs> I, I just I pull my mask off and I'm Dave Whitty. <laughs> <laughs> Baby's first time listening to Botch. I mean, it's amazing. Like all their old shit is fucking fantastic. I don't know if that's like something you're into, but because they they have a new song out. Mm -hmm. and, everybody was losing their fucking mind over it. And so of course I was like, all right, you know what? I'll just listen to them and they're great. I mean, between like botch and thrice, it sounds like you need to start exploring the early two thousands scene a little bit more. Cause there's a lot out there that falls under kind of that umbrella. I guess so. I'm, I mean, I'm always open to suggestions. Um, and then more recently I checked out, uh, and which is like a really crunchy death doom band that I really like. Black Braid One is fucking awesome. Indigenous black metal. Love it. Um, new Dreadnought album is another fucking banger. The new Psy album, Shiki, is uh, uh, fucking really good. I listened to their old album, Scorn Defeat, uh, today, and I thought that was great. Uh, the new Russian Circles album, Gnosis, is really good. Uh, I listened to Flesh Rot and Fugitive, which is uh, Blake from Power Trips uh, side project. Uh, the album's called Maniac. And uh, I listened to this other band called Immortals Requiem, which is like uh, old school prog worship. So I've been listening to a lot of stuff. Cool. I'll, I'll give one band that people check out. Uh, they're called Entropy. They're a German. They call themselves like post hardcore or whatever subgenre we, we want to go with. But they're like a late nineties hard rock, not even hard rock, like alt rock band that they put out an EP about a month ago, death spell. If you like kind of like that nineties sound, they do it really well. It's just catchy rock music, which is so nice to hear. Cause we don't get it anymore. Spe speaking of German, I don't know if I mentioned it on the last episode or whatever, but I did also listen to this band might from Germany that kind of falls into that like stoner doom sort of thing and that's really fucking that's some good shit too right there it sounds a bit different than your average uh doom metal band yeah a little bit different goes a long way it, it really does well uh obviously you know there's toiletofhell.com to go visit but uh is there anything else you want to plug and where can people find you if they so choose to Website is toilofhell.com and it's OV instead of OF because we make bad decisions in life and we can never <laughs> change them. 
we did have a discussion at one point we're like should we change the name we talked about it for like a week or two and it's like it's too late we've been around for five years at this point we just told of hell it sucks deal with it i so love to- it toiletofhell.com we have a patreon patreon.com slash toilet of hell where every month uh depending on what you sign up for we have a mixtape that uh, we put together you can get it digitally you can also get a mixtape cassette sent to you every month if that's your sort of thing if you like collecting things and you like having physical items we can do that and there's a extra bonus podcast that we do every month where we're a lot looser and kind of just talk about whatever we want and it's a lot of fun if you like the show we do the toilet of hell podcast it comes out every wednesday at 10 o'clock eastern time it's available on the website it is on spotify finally uh it is on itunes stitcher really anywhere that you get your podcast i am on twitter at 365 days of horror if you want to you can always email us you have an album that you'd like to get reviewed you're interested in writing for us you want to send hate mail, love mail, anything you want, totalhell at gmail.com. If you ever want to get in touch with me for whatever reason, 365 days of horror at gmail.com. And if you like pro wrestling and you like laughing at pro wrestling, I also write for wrestlecrap.com. So plenty of <laughs> stuff to read. Why do you only like contribute to websites that involve like poop somehow wrestle crap toilet of hell it's a curse it's i'm actually (laughs) i'm actually a very clean person i swear i'm not like a pig pen from charlie brown where i just have a dust cloud following around everywhere it's just one of those things yeah i mean it's like frank reynolds said because poop is funny it is you'll remember it like how many metal just metal in the name websites are there thousands hundreds too many Metal Injection, Metal Insider, Metal Hammer, Metal whatever. Toilet of Hell. Toilet of Hell. Toilet and, then you, alone. and then you get to wear a t-shirt that says Toilet of Hell and get weird looks when you go to the supermarket. <laughs> exactly. It's worth it for that. Thank you, dude, for coming on. I really appreciate this. Uh, you know, as a fan of the website and uh, the podcast, uh, this was really cool. Definitely go check out Toilet of Hell. Um, if you're looking for new... You know, it's not just death metal too. There's a lot of good, uh, of good doom and stoner and shit that they and sludge that they uh, put out there. And it's a ton of independent bands. So if you're looking for something that's not like just another, you know, another album from your your favorite old standbys, I'm sure you'll find plenty of uh, new and up and coming bands there for you to check out. And uh, that'll do it for this chapter of the diary. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.